The story of the Exodus is one of the most important stories in the history of human civilization, and that's no understatement. It's the foundation of at least two major world religions, central to the modern-day religious practices of both Judaism and Christianity. It contains the oldest piece of literature in the entire Bible, the Song of Miriam in Exodus 15. The Exodus is referenced more times in the Bible than any other story. It's remembered by the prophets, sung by the psalmists, and recounted by the priests in the temple. The gospel writers would use it as they crafted their new understanding of Jesus. Jesus would become the Passover lamb. His sacrifice would be a fulfillment of Mosaic law. Baptism would be interpreted as crossing through the Red Sea from imprisonment to freedom. Exodus contains the Ten Commandments, the bedrock of living in community, not only in the ancient Hebrew tradition, but in much of today's Western world. Generations of theologians have turned to the story of Exodus as the basis for hope for marginalized and oppressed people today. Liberation theology for people in Central and South America. Black liberation theology for Americans of African descent. Womanist and feminist theology for women and minority groups. And it is the subject of countless books and and songs and films from the Ten Commandments to the Prince of Egypt. It is one of the most important stories in the history of the world. And at the heart of it is one of the greatest comeback stories ever. And it offers you the possibility of just such a comeback story in your life. Moses is just about the farthest person one could imagine to be such a great hero and deliverer. He narrowly escaped death as a child when Pharaoh tried to have him killed. He was raised with no full awareness of his ethnic and cultural identity until he witnessed the torture of a fellow Hebrew. He murdered that slaveholder and then fled as a fugitive in the wilderness and then tried to hide from his past by starting a whole new anonymous life as a shepherd. But the greatest obstacle that Moses faced was his self-doubt. When God met him in that burning bush in Exodus chapter 3, Moses said in no uncertain terms, God, you've got to be kidding. You are calling the wrong person. I am the last person that you should be asking to do something so important. Self-doubt may be what is keeping you from your own comeback story, just as it has hindered some of the greatest figures in history. John Steinbeck wrote in a journal in 1938, quote, I am not a writer. I've been fooling myself and other people. I am assailed by my own ignorance and inability. Sometimes I seem to do a little good piece of work, but when it is done, it slides into mediocrity. Well, it turns out that that little good piece of work was the grapes of wrath. Michelangelo was asked by Pope Julius II to create a painting for the church, but Michelangelo said no, that he didn't have the abilities. He said he was a sculptor, not a painter. They needed to find someone else. But the Pope persisted, and Michelangelo agreed, and spent the next four years painting the Sistine Chapel in the Vatican. 
Leonardo da Vinci struggled with self-doubt and self-esteem issues, which led to procrastination and never finishing many of his projects. In one of his diaries, da Vinci wrote the words, Tell me if I ever did a thing. Well, he certainly managed to, including the Mona Lisa and the Last Supper. Abraham Lincoln lived with self-doubt, once telling a fellow Illinois politician, I am not well. I am plagued with melancholy. Just a day after winning the state Republican convention. Edith Wharton, Jackson Pollock, Vincent Van Gogh, artists, leaders, authors, some of the greatest figures in history all struggled with self-doubt and overcame it. And so can you, by the grace of God. God tells Moses that he is to go to Pharaoh and serve as God's spokesperson, ordering Pharaoh to release the Israelites from slavery. And immediately Moses recites a list of reasons why he can't do it. They won't believe me. I am not good at public speaking. I am on the run for a crime. But in Exodus chapter 4, God counters that self-doubt with three vivid images, actions that God asks Moses to perform to remind him of three important principles that can help us have faith and courage. The first principle is this. It's not about you anyway. It's about what God can do through you. God told Moses to look in his hand and notice the staff that he was holding. And that staff symbolized a great deal to Moses. It was a symbol for his career as a shepherd. It was a symbol of his control, enabling him to do his job. It was a, a sign of his livelihood and his role in society. So much of that staff captured his identity. It summarized his life all at once. But then God asked him to let go of it, to release that staff, to, to drop it on the ground. And the moment he surrendered it to God, that lifeless piece of dead wood came to life in the form of a serpent full of energy and vitality. If self-doubt has plagued your identity and kept you from believing that you can possibly make a difference, the good news is this. It's not about you anyway. It's about, it's about you releasing your sense of control and entrusting it to God so that God can take the lifeless parts of your soul and bring them to life. The second principle is this. God can transform your suffering into healing for others. The second thing God told Moses to do was to take his hand and stick it in his cloak. And he did. And then when he pulled out his hand, he discovered that his once healthy hand had become leprous, white as snow. Leprosy, as you may know, was no small disease in the ancient Near East. It was physically debilitating, but it was also humiliating, marginalizing. Others in the community considered lepers to be unclean, pushing them to the fringe of society. So Moses must have shuddered when he saw this happen to him. And perhaps God gave him a moment or two to digest the full weight of its implications before God said, Okay, Moses, now put your hand back in your cloak. And once Moses did, his hand returned to normal clean and whole. God can take all of our suffering, all of the self-doubts, the burdens we cannot seem to shake, and actually use them to become agents of healing and beauty and hope for others. 
just like some of the greatest artists in history have produced some of their greatest works of art in the crucible of their own suffering, so can God transform your hurt and your tragedy, whatever is leprosy to you, and use it to bring healing and hope for others. Moses could use that once leprous hand to bring forth the plagues, to lead people through the Red Sea, to bring strength to their armies, to guide them through the wilderness. God can transform your suffering into healing for others. The final principle is this. God is greater. Period. God asked Moses to take a scoop of water from the Nile River and and toss it onto the ground. Now, what in the world did that mean? Well, the Nile River, as you know, is a body of water that is absolutely significant to the Egyptian people. It was their main source of irrigation, transforming dry desert into fertile ground. It was a thoroughfare of transportation, enabling business and commerce. It was of military importance to transport troops with ease. It was a symbol of their economy and their government and their social stability. But the Nile was even more important than that. In the ancient Egyptian religious world, the Nile River had mythical, cosmic significance. It was associated with a a number of Egyptian gods, like Hapi, who caused the river to flood every year to nourish the farmlands. He and other countless Egyptian gods were identified with the Nile River and worshipped throughout Egypt. So when God asked Moses to take that water from the Nile and dump it onto the ground, this was a direct act of defiance against the gods of the Egyptians and all of their oppression. God took that scoop full of water and immediately turned it into blood to remind Moses that despite all of his self-doubt and all of his fear and worry, God was greater than every other force in the world, period. If your comeback story is being hindered by doubts in yourself or shame in your past or whatever way you feel like Moses today, remember that God is with you. God is greater than your past and God can transform your suffering to bring healing to others. It's something Justin LaRosa learned years ago when the idea of serving God and following Jesus was the farthest thing from his mind. But just like Moses, Justin discovered God's remarkable grace and forgiveness and love. Watch his story. I'm Justin LaRosa. I'm one of the ministers here at Hyde Park United Methodist, and I'm the director of the Portico, our downtown location, just two miles away. Let's just say that this wasn't my chosen career path. I never thought that I would follow God, that I would be a part of the church. My uh, high school friends jokingly call me the dirty deacon because I might have been voted the least likely to be a minister if they had that vote in high school. One of my earliest memories was my dad leaving my life. I was three and a half years old and it was burned into my um, memory for a long time. And here's the thing about that, I can look back and see it now that that really impacted and shaped my understanding of God. Now you combine that experience with some lots of uh, craziness in my household, abuse, violence, 
um, and you get a kid who's pretty screwed up trying to find ways to ease the pain and that moved me into finding ways to escape but God in spite of me perhaps and through me has broken a lot of cycles I've been sober for coming up I think it'll be 27 years in July when I first got sober I thought I was too broken of a person I was too uh, salty of a person I was too unrefined some of you might still agree with that um, of a person to be able to have God work in my life to work in others lives so I felt like I was being called but I, I didn't know what that meant and I was being called I was being called to be a part of God's transformation of the world because of the love of Jesus Christ. It's not the way I would have said it when I first got sober. It wasn't the way I would say it even when I first started in church world. But um, God has, has, has had his hand on my life even when I was a little kid. And even when I thought he wasn't there, he was. And that's true for you. And that's true for anybody that's suffering. Um, but often you don't see that until you're looking in the rearview mirror. What I've discovered through pain and love and joy and triumph and tragedy is that there's a profoundly loving God that wants to be in deeper relationship with me and you because at our core, God is good. And that's the thing that I think is true in any comeback story is that God reminds you it's not about you. It's about me, Jesus's life, Jesus's death, and Jesus's resurrection. That's something to believe in. Justin's story is a powerful example of how even a person undergoing the greatest struggles is not outside the reach of God's love or God's capacity to use them. It's not about you. God can transform your healing to bring healing to others, and God is greater. This was the story of Moses, and it can be your comeback story as well. Let's pray. God, this moment is holy ground, for you meet us in the midst of our frailty and weakness, you call us to let go of ourselves and embrace your strength and your hope. Teach us to move forward through life, not to dwell on the struggles of the past, so that we can watch the amazing work you are doing in us and through us. Help us to become your next great comeback story. In Jesus' name, amen.